The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details. Kia ora, you're listening to Fresh FM, I'm Chrissy Small and I have Mayor Tim King here to talk about the mural relief and uh, what's going on around the region with the clean-up. Hi Tim, how are you doing? I'm good Chrissy. thanks for the opportunity. Oh, you're welcome. Now honestly, you've obviously been really busy. Tell us what's going on, we've, we've had some big slips around the place, uh, which ones are still uh, around and may be there for some time? So in our region we were incredibly fortunate um, compared to Nelson and Marlborough, uh, so, but we have had damage, so particularly in Golden Bay, the road into Wainui and into Totranui. Uh, has been significantly affected. That's still a work in progress. Obviously, there's the uh, more locally, there's the Ruby Bay Hill slip, which is still being assessed and decisions yet to be made over the future of that particular stretch of road. So other than that, most of the focus is on Nelson, uh, where they obviously had a huge amount more damage than, than we did out in the Tasman region. Of course, and of course the government gave some money towards the mural fund. Have you had many more donations come in on top? So there has been, yeah, uh, people have been really generous, as they always are after these events. The community rallies around and people get out and help on the ground and then those who can't uh, often take the opportunity to donate to the mural relief fund mm. uh, and then that's allocated out to the people affected. Great. And okay, so we, we're going back to these closed roads. Um, <laughs> uh, with the slip over Ruby Bay, have you thought that there may be someone underneath all that? Um <laughs> I, I guess initially when I first saw it, it's always one of those concerns that runs through your mind. I mean, it's quite possible that someone could have been driving down the road at the time. Um, to the best of my knowledge, that is not the case. Um, so, But it's a significant slip, and that road's always had question marks over its long-term future viability. Mm. Uh, and I guess this is just an opportunity to the council's now going to have to look at that. Um, how feasible is it to clear it? How stable will the cliff behind it be in that event? And then decisions will need to be made about what to do next. Will you engage the community on those decisions? Oh, certainly if the decision looks like it's... Um, if the if the decision is to clear the slip and reopen the road, that's probably not going to be consulted on. Uh, I imagine if the decision looks like it's going to be a closure of the road, there'll, probably, there'll certainly be a lot of communication. Um, to some extent the outcome is going to be driven by the geotechnical engineers and the, the actual stability of the cliff itself. So right. it might not be an option, mm. uh, but certainly it is. if it is closed, it's going to mean changes for the community and how they get around. Uh, we also have the McKee Domain down there, which is currently closed. Will that reopen? I'd certainly like to think so. Um, I, I, I don't, again, speaking before I've seen the geotechnical engineering, so always possible that I'm proved wrong. Um, but I think at the moment it looks as though it's more about the road uh, and even if that ended up being a dead end road and access to the McKee domain I'd like to think could be remained open it is literally one of the you know most kind of it's a real jewel in the crown in terms of the ability to camp um, and for some longer term people who spend a lot of time there right on the coast in a beautiful location that you otherwise your only access is to buy a very expensive house in the same location so I'd certainly like to think that the future of McKee Domain is is not at risk. Yeah well I think we're all a bit like that there's a lot of people who rent their homes out over summer and go and stay down the the domain. (laughs) Yeah it's not a bad option it's a pretty it's a pretty special place McKee Domain. Yeah okay and so so moving forward, 
How can we mitigate these kinds of slips in future? Well, I, I don't think, and in, in the sort of rain events that we uh, got the other day, uh, and I think what highlights the challenge is that a lot of those slips, for example, the ones in Golden Bay and on the Abel Tasman track, were in areas of, of native vegetation. So there was nothing that had been modified or changed significantly when you get those level of rain events. And we saw that in Cyclone Fahey and Gita. All sorts of land uses, uh, basically the hills failed at that mid-slope failure point. Uh, so there's there's a limited amount we can do about landslips. Mm. Clearly, where we are, for example, undertaking forestry activities or other modifications, yeah. it just has to be taken account of when those things are being done to ensure they don't make it worse, and that the consequences of these sort of events um, don't end up downhill on other property owners. But I think this highlights if you get and the Mai Tai is a good example, 750 mils over I think 48 hours and a meter of rain over the three days. When you get that level of rain event, there's not much mitigation you can do. No, having grown up up the Mai Tai myself, I, I, uh, I it, it brought back memories of the 70s floods. Um, I think that's a really good point. One of the challenges is that as a region, we've always been subject to these things, but it's actually been a long time since we've had a period of significant events in a row. Mm. If you've been here since the 60s, 70s and 80s, you had cyclones uh, Allison, Cyclone Bowler, you had the big floods of 83 and 86, we had droughts in that period as well, and fires out in Hira. We then subsequently, from the late 80s, went through a period of maybe 20 or 30 years with actually very few significant uh, natural events. And a lot of people have moved there in that period and perhaps not used to it. The other thing is even the events that are similar to that period now affect so many more people because our population has grown so significantly in the intervening 40 years. So, yeah, it's a really interesting conversation about what's new, um, what's just a replication of the past and how much climate... um, factors into whether we're going to see these things more often and more regularly and are they going to be more significant. So that must be quite difficult for your planning department as well because you'll be looking at um, proposed housing developments around the area, Seton Valley in in Mapua for example, as with the Mai Tai um, development as well. So what's going to change? So absolutely, I think you can see that a number of the new developments, probably the best example in the latest rainfall was Richmond West. So Richmond West, despite the fact people perceive it as being very low-lying, is actually a reasonable height above sea level. And the extensive work that was done in the Borks Creek uh, stormwater Mm. uh, management area worked really well. And increasingly we're moving away from piped networks for stormwater into much more multi-purpose spaces. So Borks Creek doubles 90% of the time as open space, it has a significant amount of biodiversity planting in it, it's got walking and cycling opportunities Uh, and then at a time of heavy rainfall uh, it serves as a stormwater management um, system. So that is the future and designed well it can actually provide multiple benefits to communities not just to manage their stormwater but to recreate wetlands, to provide for biodiversity in urban areas and to provide for recreation and open space. Right. And um, so with, with developments that are proposed, how do you feel about infill housing? Look, I think the future development strategy has struck, in my view, a reasonable balance between future greenfields development and intensification or redevelopment. They both have pluses and minuses. If you live in an existing community and you've bought in there because of you know the, the mix of houses and the section size, it can be quite challenging to face a redevelopment next door with a potentially multi-storey development, much smaller houses. But both of them are able to accommodate 
a greater range of housing choices and we do need and we are seeing now particularly around Richmond uh, a lot of redevelopment multi-unit housing smaller houses council encourages those both by the planning rules and regulations and also by incentives through reducing development contributions for smaller houses etc etc so it is something we need to see more of mm. both in brownfields redevelopment and greenfields development and we've got to make that as a easy an option as possible at the same time as trying to ensure that the impact on the surrounding community and neighbours um, isn't a negative. Right. Um, a lot of complaints in the past about lack of infrastructure in some of these developments. Are you addressing those and in, in potential new ones? Yeah, I think I think new developments, there is an extensive investment both by the developer and by the council in the infrastructure that sits behind them, whether that's water, wastewater, stormwater particularly, uh, and also for open space, walking and cycling access, connectivity between communities and the areas where they need to get their services from. Great. Oh, Tim, well, you're a wealth of information. Thank you so much for your time today, and uh, uh, we'll have to get you behind the microphone again soon. Good as gold. Thanks very much. I'm Chrissy Small, and you're listening to Fresh FM, and I was just speaking with Tasman Mayor Tim King. The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM, the Top of the South's community access media station, with support from New Zealand On Air. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz.